welcome to the Swamp Flicks Halloween special. <laughs> Again, a horse. Spooky I don't know horses. how I <laughs> Try to make spooky sounds when a horse comes out. It could uh, be a horse ghost. Yes, it's the ghost of a horse. Very spooky. <laughs> My name is Brandon Lede. I'm Brittany Lombos. I'm James Cohn. And I'm Hannah Rassinen. And you were about to witness the cutting edge of medicine. <laughs> to quote my favorite horror villain of all time, Dr. Giggles. <laughs> <laughs> what have y'all been up to since we last talked? We went to a parade in the corner. Yeah, I hung out with you. That was like a couple days ago. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Got a lot of candy. Saw some giant skeletons. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Listen to some Halloween tunes. Ooh, and saw some uh, spooky Elvi, some Elvises, zombies and vampires. I was heartened to see people marching to Rob Zombie's Living Dead Girl. I hadn't heard yeah. that song in so long because it's oh, been eclipsed you know by Dragula. I got to write that down because I was trying to remember what that song was. Oh, that's the song we were <laughs> yeah. debating. Yeah. I was like, there was a song, was but this? it wasn't Dracula. creature, yeah. <laughs> That's a great pop tune. It's a very, very, very good okay. song. Have y'all been watching more horror movies in the meantime? I have. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did We did an episode like a week ago, so I haven't hey, had that much time. You can maintain to- <laughs> the illusion for the uh, audience. <laughs> this is getting pushed around for a few reasons. No, I know. It's just like I have not been watching. Oh, really? Stuff. Well, besides the movies. Yeah, we had like, a lot of homework for this episode. I mean, I can think of some movies I've watched, but not horror feel like we should keep it horror okay has anybody watched any horror movies recently or we're still in spooky season yes um <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, yeah. I, yes. so i can't remember if i talked about if i mentioned this film i don't think i did on the last podcast but if i did i'm sorry and i recommend it again so i watched um a lot of jean rollin films over the last two weeks no, I watched two Jean Rollin films. That's not a lot. <laughs> Most he made of a lot. his filmography. <laughs> he made a lot of movies, I, and I got to dig uh, deeper. But So I watched Fascination, which was directed in 1979, um, and is about this um, young man in France, uh, this kind of uh, delinquent, rapscallion, kind of thiefy fellow who um, mm. breaks into this castle, and there are these two beautiful women who seduce him and uh they're very mysterious and there's uh they're waiting for the mistress of the house to get back with her um kind of uh cadre of friends and women and they do their best to keep him in the castle until the women come back uh, for mysterious reasons and it turns out they're all uh rich vampires which is very cool. Um, and it's a beautiful film. There's this shot in the very beginning of these women, these two women, one is wearing a black dress, the other is wearing a white dress. And it's like this um, beautiful finery. It's set in 1905 in France. And they're standing in this like blood red slaughterhouse and there's blood all over the floor. They're like hanging ox hunks like all over the place. Um, and they're like just drinking ox blood for their anemia, which I can relate to. Um, so yeah, I thought it was very cool, and I can't wait to watch more of his films. Mm. I just watched right before y'all came over the last episode of Queer for Fear. I don't know if y'all. Ooh no. no! What is that? It was like this four-part mini series that Brian Fuller produced for Shutter. That was like just Talking Heads recapping the history of queer representation in horror movies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the fourth episode was about predatory women. Yeah. Uh, and Fascination got a big shout out yes. in that one, along with like all the greats, you know. Yeah. Daughters of Darkness, Layer of the White Worm, Basic Instinct, a lot of stuff we've talked about already. Honestly, one of my favorite subgenres of film is um, predatory women. So yeah. <laughs> certainly we'll have to watch that. So, Brittany, what have you been watching? So, not a ton, but I've been trying to keep the spooky thing going. And I watched the movie See For Me that came out this year. It's about a blind girl who gets these like side jobs pet sitting, but the people don't know she's blind. And she gets this job uh, pet sitting for a cat in this like massive, super fancy, modern mansion out in the wilderness. And she... um has sort of another side hustle within that side hustle where she'll like steal shit from the people that she pet sits for and like sells it. So she goes into the wine cellar and finds like a bottle of wine worth like five grand. And her mom sends her this app called like see for me where you can have somebody see for you. Like you'll open up the app and they'll be like, Hey, there's a door in the front of you. And ah. hey, the, the knobs on the bottom right, you should open it like things like that. So there is a home invasion that happens while she is sitting this house and or sitting this cat in this house. It's like a group of like four guys and she uses that app. And there's a woman on the other side of the app who's like an ex army veteran that's very into like role playing video games where there's like a lot of shooting and stuff involved she's like mm-hmm. yeah ooh, army um she just like i guess lives for the thrill and um she's sort of the the see for you person for this girl but then the girl makes a deal with the robbers to be like hey i won't like identify y'all because hey i'm blind mm. also give me like five percent of what you're taking but then at the same time, it, this this is why this movie wasn't good, by the way. It's not a good movie. <laughs> at the same time, she's like talking with the lady on the app and the woman on the app's like, hey, this guy's coming at you with a gun. Move to your left. Pull the trigger back and shoot. Like trying to like use her as like a role playing oh, game weird. type thing. Yeah. Which is whatever. But there's this one part that like really th- kind of threw everything I thought out the window where... There's like a man who was with the group of guys and he was just like, hey, I'm opening the safe. I don't have a gun. Like, I'm just in it with these guys. I don't want to hurt you. And then the woman on the phone's like, shoot him. He's coming near you. Shoot him. And she doesn't do it. And the guy has no gun or anything like that. Uh huh. And then he ends up finding a gun to shoot her because she's going to shoot him. And I'm like, what am I? What do I do with that? Like, right. Hmm. Is she the bad guy because, like, she's just shooting people? Like, is is the woman who's, like, in control of the See For You app the bad guy because she's telling this, like, blind girl just to shoot people? Like, she's playing a video game. The blind girl's also stealing and also shooting people. But then mm. the guys are robbing. Is everyone bad? Everyone It was implicated. so confusing. Yeah. I'm sorry I took y'all on that journey with me. <laughs> um, I'm just perplexed. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So I... It was okay. It's like a good... It, it wasn't scary. It was more like a thriller. Boo. 
um, home invasion <laughs> thriller that wasn't as cool of a thriller as it could have been. And I don't know what it meant. <laughs> um, <laughs> you look <laughs> despondent. Right yeah. Ah, sorry about that. I haven't no. seen it like this since you talked about BJ Novak. <laughs> Just completely oh. dreamed. Yeah, it's on the same level as. Oh, what's that movie called again? That BJ Novak movie that was freaking terrible. That's what it's called, actually. <laughs> freaking terrible. He's in Texas with the conspiracy theory with people? his with his podcast. Something like yes, yeah. podcast conspiracy one hundred and one. Whatever the hell it was. Yeah. my mom hated that movie too. God, so your mom would good hate this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the same vibe. Mm. So yeah, um, that's what I have to bring to the table. What about, <laughs> what about you, Brandon? <laughs> I have two recommendations for James in particular. Oh shit! Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the Gaspar Noe movie Lux Eterna, which I might have mentioned I, a couple times. I do want to see. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's on my radar. It's on Shutter now. I, I guess I shouldn't describe it because uh, we'll we'll get back. We'll come back around it and talk about it. But if you've seen Vortex, it's like it's like sister film. Oh, cool! And it's about witches and strobe <laughs> lights. And I I love everything that this dude has been doing. Yeah. Another one I've watched, and this is because it's Slim Pickens because we haven't met that long ago, but. Uh, <laughs> I watched this movie called Bloodsick Psychosis that came out on Plex this this week. Plex? Ooh, a Plex Whoa, original. Yeah. Lowered down the totem Deep from cut. Tubi even. <laughs> yeah. But it's a new film. It's from this year. Nice. Um, it just happened to be distributed through Plex. Uh, okay. It's shot like a VHS era SOV slasher. So like it's shot on a camcorder um, and it's made to look like it's from the late 80s, early 90s. But it's set in the Philly punk metal scene. Oh, cool. cool. Um, it's fucking disgusting. It's about these two idiot metalheads who take too much acid and become, I guess, LSD vampires. Like, they're convinced they need to, like, drink animal and human blood to survive. Oh, wow. Uh, so they keep killing, like, neighborhood cats and, like, hot goth girls on the scene and <sighs> stuff and, like, eating their guts. It's It's gross and dumb. But it's so authentically Philly punk in a way that, like, I, I'm kind of curious what you would think about it. Because everyone is fucking mean. They're all into these, like, really nasty gore films. There's a sequence at this, like, basement DIY metal show from this band called Spider mm-hmm. um, that dresses in black metal corpse paint. But they play a sort of, like, black metal crust like hybrid style Mm -hmm. and um, the lyrics are like kill yourself for Satan and like uh, just like really offensive on purpose stuff and really cold and bitter in a way that like feels authentic to Philly DIY metal stuff. Well, it was funny to you bringing that up. Like I went to Philly this year for the first time and stayed with a buddy of mine who like is a skateboarder, like grew up going to punk shows and he kind of like, Took me around. I met like some of his friends and kind of got the Philly vibe. And it's pretty like cutthroat. Yeah. Like people just tell you to your face, like you're full of shit. Like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This movie is like, like I that. I dig it. But it's like in a brain infection almost. Like they just keep getting angrier and angrier for re- reasons they can't explain. And they go in these like paranoid rants. Yeah. Because the, the acid made them mean. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. And then after like the worst parts of the violence, like, Maybe like 15, 20 minutes before it's over, they take a break to eat cheesesteaks. <laughs> it's yes. like, okay, this movie's kind of like poking fun at itself a little yeah. bit. And like, it, it's emulating like the meanest 
grimiest slashers of that wave, like of like the DIY no budget horror stuff. Mm. But it's also like self satirizing a little bit. It, it it's got a little bit of like a self parodic strand to it. Cool. I don't know. The metal is actually very good though. Like I. I'm not like an expert or anything, but it felt pretty authentic to like what modern crust punk sounds like to me. Nice. Yeah. All right. I'll definitely be checking that out. Blood sick psychosis. On Flix. On Plex. Plex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're Flix. Do we even have Plex? I don't I don't like think a, so. It's like a free platform. It's like Tubi or yeah. uh, okay. awesome. We don't the Roku yet. channel. Yeah. But we will. All right, we gotta get Plex. We'll get Plex. Just to see that. <laughs> Do you wanna squeeze one more in? Oh well, I did think of one. Um and it's not necessarily horror, but our last episode, we were talking about, you know, the video nasties and one genre of film that we didn't really discuss, but kind of touched on was like the Nazi exploitation stuff. And thank God we didn't have to watch any of those, but I did watch like a Criterion collection version of one called Night Porter. Oh, I've seen that. Which is like a pretty infamous movie from, I think, like 1974. Very artsy, but really tawdry subject matter where it's like this ex-Nazi guard who performed like experiments and used to like do S&M stuff with one of his prisoners, this young lady. Well, after the war in like 1957 Vienna, she shows up at his hotel that he works at as a night porter and they essentially start to like reenact their S and M stuff that they did in the concentration camps. Pretty like revolting idea or I don't know. Like I actually don't think I was that opposed to it in theory, but what struck me about the movie, it's not good and it's like not sexy and I wanted it to be, more sexy, uh, <laughs> which is, but I felt so conflicted because I was like, this is a really off color kind of subject matter mm-hmm. for an erotic thriller, but I still want it to be like erotic and it was very stilted and not sexy. I was like, man, I want these Nazis and these ex concentration camp to like have better sex. <laughs> and so I was like so conflicted. It was so weird. I felt so conflicted through the whole movie. Where it's almost like if you're gonna go there, like go there. Right. And I yeah. I can see how that could be like part of the point that oh. this isn't sexy, but the and they're trying to like get at this feeling that they had that is like isn't based in like it, it's like so taboo kind of or like so revolting that it's yeah. not erotic anymore. But then it's like, I don't know that I want to watch that movie, you know? Yeah, I just, I just had like extremely mm. complicated feelings while I was watching it where I was like, I, I don't think I like it at all, but it's thought provoking in some uh-huh. way, but like, I don't recommend it. I feel like we're going to come back around to this idea with half of the movies we picked for this episode because (laughs) (laughs) there's two of them in particular that have these like highly eroticized over the top scenarios and it does take the eroticism seriously to the point where it's squeamish and it's like for me it was like I'm enjoying this but it's morally wrong to enjoy this. (laughs) 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 Which is not what I expected because we're we're talking about surgical horror Mm. movies today and... 
to me, what I was picturing was a lot of gore yeah. and like incisions and just like grotesque. Oh, there's some of that. There's a little bit, but not movies, as much as I would have thought. But I, I guess you can't really build an entire feature film around just cut em ups. Just Dr. Giggles can do this. Well, Not I was all. saying of like the dentist too. The dentist, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the like gore. Gouging and it's, drills. It's horrible. It, this was, yeah, there was more psychological horror mm-hmm. in this yeah. than I yeah. anticipated, which was great. And to be honest, I'm like scared to have some of these conversations. <gasps> I thought I was going to come in like oh scared my. to have to look at surgery stuff, which really does fuck up my brain yeah. more than any other kind of like horror stuff. But really... What this tapped into instead was like these like perverse ideas yeah. that like oh, yeah. I enjoyed but don't want to discuss. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, we're about sorry, to get dude. Yeah, we're you, getting into you it. You started this podcast, so you <laughs> yeah. gotta talk about it. I also picked the worst offender on that list in my head. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you did. <laughs> all that's coming up to you right, right now. Science like nature destroys to build. I'm part of a process that's bigger than all of us. Transplant heads with full brain chemistry and functions intact. Don't you see where this can lead? <laughs> yeah. Straight to hell! So, um, I picked the topic for today and I picked surgery horror. Um, I come from a medical family, so I felt. I needed to do my due diligence and pay homage to um, the freaky practice of medicine. And, you know, like Brandon, I thought this would be a lot of like squeamish gore horror. And a lot of the movies that we watched really focus more on like surgery as in, in my opinion, like surgery as an affront to like God and the natural order. It's like, humans taking fate into their own hands kind of an undoing like horrible violent uh incidents or acts from others um and also there was a lot of like exploration of identity especially with um like movies where your face has been changed or you receive an organ from someone else or a appendage from someone else like how does that change who you are on some or does it change who you are on a fundamental level i also picked this topic because i watched eyes without a face and that was i think a cornerstone in this type of horror and inspired i think at least two of the films that we watched wasn't second something you brought up recently too yeah it's kind Mm -hmm. of in the same vein yeah oh definitely uh and seconds it's like total um identity change like complete reconstruction of the body complete reconstruction of your life I just thought it was like these movies were super interesting. They all kind of approach those questions from different angles. I think I picked like the most violent one potentially. I'm we needed to... one. Yeah. They're yeah. All, they all have um, elements of it, but this one is really goopy. Uh, so I picked Body Parts, which was directed in 1991 by Eric Red, uh, starring Jeff uh, Fahey. He is a. A psychologist and he has an assignment um, in a prison and he's like really focused on like the rehabilitation of the mentally ill mind and like questions of whether you can like a disturbed mind can be healed 
uh, he gets in a horrible car accident, and <laughs> this very uh, suspicious, um, like British doctor, kind of cajoles his wife into uh, giving him an arm transplant from a mysterious donor who is being um, executed in that hospital, as it turns out. Um, so he gets this arm transplant, and then he has these like really violent images and then he starts to learn more about the donor and he is like a serial murderer um he's committed arson and like armed robber he's just like a really bad dude so he kind of hooks up with all of these other guys that have gotten limb transplants and they've all been impacted by this transplant in different ways um and he starts to like dig deeper into the machinations of this doctor and uh, explore like how these limbs are changing the um, transplantees or whether they're changing the transplantees. So this movie was like, it was like really bitter. Like it was nasty. It was gory. There was like a lot of dark feeling in it. I don't know. And kind of more than the other films that we watched like it was just super nasty but probably like the pulpiest well I don't I don't know about that but it it was very pulpy and I mean I thought it was like very engaging I it was probably like in the middle for me with the other films that we watched I loved this movie. I, I'm, I'm with Brittany I fucking loved this movie yeah it like <laughs> for me it encapsulated like what I love about early nineties horror. Yeah. Like the grittiness and griminess of it, but with like a pretty male face, like this Fahey guy. <laughs> I like this like, Fahey guy. He I've remi- seen other stuff. He Psycho reminds three, me. His performance oh, in that is so good. That's it. I'm like, Either he's been in a, a oh, made-for-TV movie or a Lifetime movie. He was also in those Darkman sequels we watched, which were subpar, but... Yeah. <laughs> With um, his, Dr. Giggles. That's right. God, he there has you his, go. like, piercing, piercing blue eyes. He does. Yeah, even before he gets the surgery, his eyes are, like, too intense. It's like- and that <laughs> scar on his lip? Is right, that from his... That, oh, y'all, the car accident scene in this movie. Just oh, gnarly. He's, he's rockets up he into the sky. He flies out and the appar- window. Apparently, I was reading, they cut like a full minute from that scene. You're supposed to see his arm get ripped <laughs> from the... Like, we need to find the DVD with the extended it. footage. Because that car accident went on for like way longer than <laughs> I thought awesome. it should have. Yeah. I think that's important to note is like, this is coming from a mainstream studio. This is like Paramount Pictures big budget multiple car sequences there's the huge wreck where he loses his oh, arm oh god when they're handcuffed together yeah, at the end the killer oh, yeah. reemerges Classic. and like handcuffs Ooh. himself across two different cars yes. and they're going yes. through traffic and there's like mac truck and some i was thinking about that as i was watching it there was a like multiple times where i'm like this looks so good like i guess they had good cameras and good yeah. cinematography i was like wow this looks gorgeous for like this kind of movie that's what really blew me away. Even like the parts where the limbs are getting sewn on and torn off and when they're hanging like they're in a meat shop. It's so, so good. Oh, uh, yeah. That tableau of the unused body yeah. parts and these like yes. wriggling prosthetics. Oh! The torso has this like catheter mm-hmm. yeah. trailing from it that's just stained with piss. Like yeah. all around the crotch Sick. area. It's just disgusting. That was such a stunning image. Uh, yeah. Like the absolutely like... 
the this is cinema to me just a torso writhing around in a big box that so and gross. the um, sequence where he's wheeled in on the gurney into the operating room and mm-hmm. it's in a fisheye lens and there's just all these guards yeah. in like scrubs mm-hmm. with shotguns because they're like guarding the serial killer yeah but we don't know that at the time we're just right. like what is happening in this I, room yeah that yeah, image of them with the shotguns was alarming <laughs> really alarming yeah. i thought wow this is gonna change the medical field forever so they're guarding the <laughs> surgery that's what i thought but i'm a dumbass um the whole part of the film where the killer is back and he's coming back for his body parts that is so smart literally like finding you know he found the one guy that had the other arm and like ripped it off of him a very chummy brad duriff like a very nice brad duriff <laughs> he was an artist yeah. I, lo- I loved him in this movie i sweet. actually like one complaint is i wanted more of him yeah like him as an artist where he's like i love this like do you see my art it's very dark and tormented <laughs> and like his art not that i'm an art critic in any sense of the word like I thought it was just really funny because it's very, I don't know. Like new metal album covers? <laughs> like new metal album cover. I mean, he did just graduate from painting for like a hotel room. Oh, like- right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. One other bit of trivia I read, that Ooh. like loft where his art was, was uh-huh. the same loft where they shot The Fly. Oh, what? cool. Because it, it was a Canadian production. That makes sense. So anyway... I loved his character. I liked his art. It was kind of cool that he didn't have to be full Brad Dourif for once. Like, Jeff he kind of took on the Brad Dourif, like, maniac role. So Brad Dourif just gets to, like, lay back and, like, be nice. I don't know. He seemed kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah, he was cool. He, I thought his art was cool. He seemed to have his head on his shoulders. <laughs> he you definitely know? channeled... Just not his arm. The, not uh, his arm. <laughs> he channeled the, like, serial killer mania into something productive. Yes. He would have probably been okay. Yeah. Just making art forever. This did remind me of like a time, because I've been reading about this like Jeffrey Dahmer series that's out now. And like, I definitely in the early 90s, though, is the height of our obsession with like serial killers. Well, they they did pull some of the marketing and uh, distribution of this back because Jeffrey Dahmer made headlines while this was being released. Oh, so they kind of like preempted some of its oh, like, wow. uh, I was saying, like success. I don't know when Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer came out. That was get the late 80s. Late 80s, but yeah. we were definitely really into serial killers around this time. And Lifetime was booming. Yeah, and it has a Lifetime vibe um, to it. Something else I really liked about this movie. I really liked this movie. <laughs> is um his journey Jeff Fahey's journey with his new arm like it looks disgusting I'm like I would have just rather mm-hmm. not have had an arm than to have someone's arm as part of me and and I kept thinking like is it's weird how it's like the same like muscle mass where he doesn't look like disproportionate mm-hmm. but I know it's not real that it's a movie he was just the perfect <laughs> he was the perfect, perfect. I, I love when he punched his kid yes Hell yeah. That's what scares me about this movie <laughs> more than the surgery stuff. That kid flew. There's some yeah. pretty like gnarly gore, but like something I'm really scared about myself when I get stressed, that immediate anger response to everything. Yeah. And like Brad Dourif has that like art to channel that into, but he's just like sitting there stewing in this anger. And he just has a yeah. kid to punch. And his wife's like, hello. And he's like, what now? Like <laughs> that uh, immediate just like, Fury is something I'm fighting back in myself like forever. Yeah. Uh, wow. I smile and giggle a lot. So maybe <laughs> that's not coming oh across, God. but like I get very irritated yeah. at like dumb shit. 
and I have to like tell myself to relax. And watching him get worse doing that is like really scary. I think because he's well, not yeah, in control of it. I think the movie, like, if it has any interesting ideas, you know, it's like a kind of the nature versus nurture. Like, where does evil come mm. from? Is it just like part of our body, or does it come from our environment? Is it the heart? Is it in the mind? In right? The skin? Is it in the flesh? Is it in the arm? <laughs> And I don't know, that part where he like punches his kid, I'm like, I think that came from you, dude. I don't think yeah. that came from, yeah. you could blame it on the serial killer arm, but- The act came from him, but the strength came from the serial killer yeah. arm. Yeah, and she says over and over again, like the hand can't make you do something that you don't want to do. Yeah. So the fear mm-hmm. of that, like, this is what you want to do and you have now, like- f- for some reason, this limb is allowing you the freedom to yeah. act it out. It's like you're using it as an excuse, too. Like, he probably always wanted to, like, punch his kid. Right. Now yeah. it's like, well, you, you know. Daddy has new arms. This is the reason I did mine. this. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that, like, the musings were very interesting. And, like, the th- his little support group, I thought, was very sweet. And they all have, like, different ways <laughs> yeah. of um, handling it. Like, So there's the artist, and then there's a guy who, like, plays basketball he got the le- he got both legs and both? he's just like <laughs> he's just dunk. great like totally grateful like man this is such a gift and like his legs lock up sometimes but he's like it's better than you know not walking so yeah. like there are all of these different perspectives and they serve each person totally differently and um jeff he's kind of miserable because he's a psychologist and he's like he's constantly ruminating about the overthinking yeah it, and just for like for his job you know and he's a professor so that's just what he does naturally one thing that like brought me down a little bit was the very end just like that last scene was and it was such a small thing like it really shouldn't matter but they're just kind of in the park and order is restored right yeah i was like this doesn't seem right i don't know they're still zooming in on like the the scars on the arm like kind of suggesting that like yeah and the 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 music is yeah i just wish they gave like a little more like one (laughs) more kind of clue sting yeah exactly i did like how it like was really sort of action heavy in the beginning and then there's like this middle section where it gets kind of philosophical like not yeah. too philosophical and then it ends with like we talked about that crazy car chase and like ends on like high action and gore and like it was kind of checking all the boxes for me i just also loved how absolutely unethical it was for this woman <laughs> to do this like oh, to yeah, yeah, force yeah. This, oh you have to sign it right now there's no time and like the idea that <laughs> Like, you could just withhold the information about whose arm it was. Like, it kind of shouldn't matter. And, like, if it was a serial killer's liver, would I say no? I don't know. But, like, it's like if you're buying a house and there was a murder in it. Like, the realtor has to tell you, right? She is something I want to talk about because, in general, I was thinking about how there aren't that many, like literary templates for an evil doctor yeah. story. So like a lot of these recycle and rearrange like the same bits. Mm-hmm. You were talking earlier about like eyes without a face and that like um, Pygmalion yeah. style, like sculpting someone to be what right. you want. And we'll definitely get into that later. But yeah. like the more overarching thing in the like evil surgeon genre is definitely Frankenstein. And right. like mm-hmm. that lady is definitely the Dr. Frankenstein character. But she's such an afterthought and like kind of pushed to the side. Yeah. We really don't get like how intentional 
these fucked up experiments are until maybe the third act. And yeah. like, then she goes full villain and it's fun, but like it minimizes the Dr. Frankenstein thing. And instead is kind of a remake of something I've seen a few times, but definitely the earliest one I saw was the hands of Orlock, which is like from the twenties, but it's this silent horror film about this piano player who's, hands are lost in like an accident and it gets replaced with the hands of a killer mm-hmm. and he starts strangling women. And like the question is like, is it me or the hands that's yeah. doing this? Um, and it's just funny to like see even that get recycled a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And like idle hands came to mind and I'm sure there's other examples if I dug a little deeper, but like it was just funny to me, like watching all of these and watching some of the same literary tropes and the same movie tropes get recycled and rearranged. Yeah. And even this one felt split down the middle. It's like, oh, it's Hans Orlock and Frankenstein <laughs> with like this 90s, like major studio mm. budget. Yeah. And just gross gore effects and animatronics in that one scene with the hanging limbs. Yeah. And the piss. And the piss. Um, <laughs> I was kind of hoping that he was like her, her ex-lover. Yes. And she was, was like, I'm going to bring him too. back to life. I don't care mm-hmm. if he was a killer. Yeah, that's what I was I'm a killer too. They met through the prison pen pal program. Yeah. That's right. Or maybe she was his uh, doctor yeah. in oh. prison. Also very unethical. Maybe that mm. scene also hit the cutting room floor along with his like flying severed arm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I overall really liked this. I, I was just talking to Boomer the other day about how Smile felt like a temperature check for me of like where mainstream horror was right now. And like watching this, it was like, well, mainstream horror used to look like this. <laughs> like maybe right. that was an even better place to be. I don't know. That that pre-saw like big budget '90s stuff post. It made me a Sounds little nostalgic. Lands. Yeah, this is like yeah. one of the better of that crop of films that I can remember. Desperation. They discover the secret of immortal life. Denial. Never to grow. Fear. I'm not going to die. What's the matter with your eyes? Some will stop at nothing to avoid the inevitable. Only God can decide. Ah! This is all I've got! A man who could cheat death next. So the movie I picked was purely based on the title. When we were talking about this episode, I did a quick Google search of <laughs> surgical horror film, and this one popped up. And I like the title. It's called The Man Who Could Cheat Death. It is a Hammer film from 1959. We've watched a few Hammer films for this podcast. Yeah, they mostly do like the literary adaptations. We did like the Vampire Lovers. Mm-hmm. We did Vampire yeah. Horror. And I think this was based on a play as well. It yeah. feels very stage play. The The story is you have this doctor who is also like an amateur sculptor. Very cool sculptor, by the way. I think he does great work. He He's throws talented. lavish parties. Mm. I think he makes his love interest look a little older than they are. <laughs> oh, yeah, not he entirely does. flattering. He yeah. does. I was like, oh, she looks a little matronly well, now. It speaks her, like, volumes Wait, about what he's doing. Though. I thought he was good. You know, he he's is a good, good sculptor. sculptor but I could tell it was her. She just looked a little haggard. As right. Oh, she had, like, but maybe that's his style, man. Everyone's he did capture be... her tits beautifully, though. I yeah. could yeah. only tell where his attention was. Uh, Old flat. face, young tits. That's right. <laughs> that's amazing. 
I do like that the movie found a way to get titties on the screen and like the way that like a censor would allow. <laughs> yeah, we were just I, talking about like British when we were talking about the video nasties about how like British horror films weren't really represented on the list of banned British movies mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because they're kind of like stately and literary in a way. Yeah. So the basic premise is that you have this guy who looks great, looks like he's in his mid thirties. Well, it turns out he's actually 104 years old and (laughs) he has been um, surprised every 10 years. He needs to have a thyroid gland injection in his neck and he's coming up on the 10 years and his doctor friend, who's the one that does the surgery for him, I guess had a stroke and is running late. He's like four weeks behind when he should be performing the surgery. So he has to take this magic elixir, which is never really explained. Other than it takes a long time to make it. It takes like two years for him to make it. So mm-hmm. when it's spilled on the floor, it's a big deal. And so the doctor shows up and he has these ethical questions about like, okay, where this thyroid gland is, uh, is fresh. It's not from a dead person. He also brings up a question about these models that he's picking for his sculptures that they keep going missing what's going on. And so he also recruits a young Christopher Lee, which Mm. God, hot, hot, Am I right? Yeah. Like, oh, he's smoking. So that was hot. one of my main like thoughts of this movie. Like, damn, Christopher Lee back in the day his was his little mustache. His little mustache. He's very tall and slender and tan. Kind of like a, yeah, like a nice olive tone to his. Skin. Oh yeah, you look beautiful, <laughs> man. Also, you would know more about this than I have because you've been staring at his face a lot lately. Do you think the main guy looked like Paul Newman a little bit? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was pretty handsome too. Handsome. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah, a, he was a good guy, guy too. There's a lot of hotties in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not on the statues. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so the plot kind of progresses from there. Uh, Summed up by a character is something about glands and statues. She's like summarizing. Right. She's like, I don't know what he was raving about. Glands and statues? Weird Weird story. (laughs) I I think, so this is probably like maybe the fifth or sixth Hammer film I've watched. And the main thing I got from this was it looks gorgeous the technicolor and the costumes and the opulent, like when they're just mm. like, like having these dinner parties and hanging out in these opulent apartments in France, it just looks really yeah. gorgeous. And everyone is beautiful and stately and bourgeoisie. And there's a lot of talking in this movie, like very little action, I would say maybe to its detriment. No surgery. No surgery. That's true. Right. No actual surgery. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he make, uh, Christopher Lee like what we consider surgery. tricks him into thinking that the surgery is <laughs> happening. He, 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 do, he does he does do a sham surgery. Yeah, he So right. it is a surgery, but not the real one. <laughs> a placebo surgery. That's right. So y'all might be able to help with this because I don't know if I like missed it when I was watching it, but like whenever he starts to when his glands wear off. And he starts to age. He like touches this woman's yeah, face. He melts her. And like, yeah, like it's like a scar, like yeah, it's radioactive like his skin scar. Is, or something. Yeah. His, his like skin is acidic or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. The way he gross. describes it is like 100 years of aging is catching up with him like 
in this moment. Mm. And so he's just like melting. He looks like dog shit for 104, to be honest. Yeah, he, <laughs> he looks like 300 I, years old. <laughs> but, but it's really not cool. even like 104, like he has wrinkles. Oh! It's like he's turning green and yeah. toxic right. on the inside. But like this gold green. Like there's yeah. some, like in some of the shadows, it looks like he's covered in gold. And I'm like, ooh. But then it's green and then his face starts, like he looks like a zombie. Like his, it, it yeah. gets sucked inwards where his face gets really yeah. thin. Those are like, you know, it was pretty, like I said, light on the action. But when the action does happen and you get those shots from underneath oh, with the yeah. Technicolor the, and the green face. And green gel lights like from and the like gel a yeah. angle. Yeah. Beautiful. Very beautiful. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I enjoyed it to a degree. Like, I thought it was, like I said, cool to look at when he's turning green and aging. It's pretty gnarly. And I thought it had some interesting like things to say about death and how we cling on to youth and this and that. But ultimately, like maybe more action, less talking would have been <laughs> to the film's advantage. But I did I did enjoy it. I just like this hammer film style. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked this movie. Mm. I thought it was so funny. I just love the like deep melodramatic acting and and like the like you know very early on what's going on and he's he has this love interest and he's like keeping her in the dark and he has these very cagey conversations with her like ah yes I admit I love you but I can't I it can never be and I can never tell you why and it it's just like that dialogue was so fun to me it was gorgeous to look at they're like beautiful women are wearing beautiful velvet dresses that are just like clamping their tits in and like the wallpaper is gorgeous like there's just just, oh my god there's so many beautiful little details so i was just like totally like you know i was along for the ride the whole time well like you said though it's that like specifically british over dramatic stage Mm -hmm. acting Mm -hmm. style that like is very fun to to watch like every character is basically biting their fist throughout the entirety of this movie you know what this movie reminded me of a little bit um is death becomes her like the whole the whole idea of like a potion or like an elixir and Mm -hmm. keeping someone youthful i was thinking like a combo of dr jekyll and mr hyde because when he doesn't have his potion he like switches like immediately to that monstrous form Mm -hmm. but also a picture of a dorian gray oh dorian gray yeah yeah but a lot of this feels like of an old literary yeah. lineage, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I think we've every single so- movie we picked. Yeah. 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 We've seen these sort of stories over yes. and over and over again. Yeah. It's like almost like there's just not a lot of like stock to choose from in this area of thinking. Like it's almost like the Greek and like Roman yeah. <laughs> myths that we usually pull yeah. from that have been like regurgitated in different ways. Like there's just like less surgical mythos out there to like but it, yeah i like I, it because it's i don't know like i kept like getting like little bits and pieces would trigger what i like noticed in like other movies and i thought that was like really fun yeah like even him scooping up the potion on the floor reminded oh, me of hocus that, pocus that was a really again like a very cool action scene where yes his, like doctor friend knocks the potion on the ground he's like scooping it up yeah, and it looks so gorgeous because it's this really thick green liquid. Mm-hmm. But 
yeah, I guess he just didn't really get enough. My, my favorite action scene is when he gets burned alive uh, when she throws a lantern at his ass. It <laughs> 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 hits him right on the butt and then he catches fire, which is pretty great. Yeah, I just feel of all the movies the on this episode, this one probably plays it the safest and most yeah. straightforward literary adaptation. Like all Amicus and um, Am- yeah. Hammer movies, I feel like I should be under a blanket with like a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I watched this over my morning coffee. Something yeah. feels very proper. It's like cozy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had some. I thought I had some fun ideas too. Like, and one that was kind of touched on but not really explored was he doesn't want to publish this research because, uh, first of all, because if everybody was to live forever, like the population would explode like it would be untenable and then also there would be no dead people to get the glands from and like i don't know people who are in positions of power often like they see a way of life that is beneficial for them and then they Mm. co-opt that but they're like oh the the population can't know about this because it wouldn't be sustainable if everybody could live this way so it's like the privilege of knowledge and power that i think is very interesting his like scared scrambling when he knows he's gonna die. I think it's like yeah. the closest the movie gets to like actually being like legitimately scary. Mm-hmm. Especially like, I guess the desperation to kill is one thing, but also the desperation to find a new surgeon when um, he keeps getting turned <laughs> yeah. down. Oh my god! He goes yeah, to I'm that. sorry. Yeah, I'm s- sorry. We have to talk about that. He that is like the, the highlight. least <laughs> reputable doctor in town. Oh my god! Oh my god! He's drunk. He's dirty. <laughs> he like takes a scalpel out of. He just has all of his medical tools like washed around in a drawer, and he like that was takes one of the funniest yeah. scenes. It had me squirming though. Like, could you imagine yeah. the man operating on you? Right. Oof. Yeah, and it's like that is like I will risk this. For that, but he and he ends up not doing it. He's like, okay, even I can't go through with this. And uh, even that, even this movie too has like a Frankenstein bent to it, yeah. Um, and Hammer probably was making Frankenstein movies at the time, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like it fit right in. Uh, I'd say the last two movies are where we get into the Pygmalion myth, yeah, and like. Those are the two that are basically sister films. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Kind of, yeah. They're made 40 years apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say they're both like daughter films to oh, Eyes Without a Face. For Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And um, daughter in other ways <laughs> as well. Oh. Ha ha ha. So the film that I chose is Scalpel, also known as False Face from 1977. Mm. Um, and it was directed by John Grismer, who also did Blood Rage. It's a filthy man. <laughs> He's only got two movies. I haven't seen Blood Rage. It's a twin movie. Ooh. God, okay. Got to see it after this one. <laughs> I want to say it's on Tubi as well. I will say that uh, Scalpel is a Tubi exclusive. It- <laughs> it's not playing anywhere else. God, and that is so accurate. Um, <laughs> In crisp HD, too. It's Yeah, I was going to say, it's very, very good. And... No lie, I will get into it, but I'm I'm definitely gonna invest in getting this on Blu-ray because I think Arrowhead did a really cool Blu-ray copy of it. Um, so <laughs> this movie, where to begin? Where to begin with right. it? We'll start at the beginning. Um, Doctor Reynolds is this like sociopathic plastic surgeon who watches his daughter having sex with her boyfriend in a very peeping Tom way, and then he kills the boyfriend daughter witnesses it and she runs away 
So flash forward, the um, daughter's grandfather, which is the doctor's um, father-in-law, passes away and gives his estate, which is like $5 million, to his granddaughter, who is missing. And there is a stripper who gets her face bashed in from a bouncer like one of the most brutal scenes of, yeah, it's awful it's it like is, hamburger meat it is so disgusting it's, yeah so disgusting but it goes on for a really long time and why did he have to do that i guess you kick to, someone out the bar but like mid strip routine like just in her skivvies like she's just got her bottoms on well i what? i assumed like maybe he was like oh um you don't work for us anymore and all your worth is like your face so i'm just gonna fuck your face up was my assumption That's not he cool. did fuck up her livelihood for sure he did but did he she comes into a lot of money she does <laughs> so um Do- dr reynolds our plastic surgeon sociopath is uh, cruising in his car and comes across her body and he takes her in and to like I guess his hot the hospital he works at and everyone's like yeah I mean police can't do anything they don't even know who she is and he performs reconstructive surgery on her but he makes her look like his daughter that ran away and you could tell that he's gonna well we you know he's an asshole we know he's a killer within like the first 10 minutes of this movie but like when she's recovering he's like who are you you better tell me who you are stop drawing circles stop drawing circles on here who are you and i'm like she's right. like bleeding <laughs> yeah. she can barely move she's absolutely not lucid in any no. way and he's like, like who did this talk? to you mm-hmm. tell me tell me i'm like, just gonna call you jane doe he he <laughs> mumbles this entire movie too like he kind of sounds like a 70s police investigator but it's that southern draw oh my god you know i lo- i love the southern oh, this movie is deep movie. fried oh so, i love it <laughs> but here's the thing it it turns into it almost like at first i'm like okay are they in georgia because he hasn't he doesn't really have a thick southern accent the doctor to like compared to what we see later on his daughter's think. is pronounced. Correct. Yeah. It's not as pronounced. So for some reason, it, I just didn't like cling on to it as fast as I probably should have. I thought it was set in like New Orleans. Well, there's first. a jazz funeral. There is a jazz funeral. Just, yeah. The South the is everything. Is New Orleans, it's Atlanta, it's everything. Well, he reconstructs her face and then they scheme together where he's like, hey, pretend to be my daughter and we're going to get this $5 million inheritance. I'm going to get half. You're going to get half. And you get this new face. And he like puts her through this training session. And there's this cool like um, almost felt like a montage scene yeah. where yeah, it's yeah. like I forgot what he tells her. He's like, identify, identify. Like, who's this? This is your aunt, blah, blah, blah. And she does this. And this is your uncle. Like just training her to, to sell it. Like she's the daughter that ran yeah. away. It felt very like my fair lady to me a little bit. <laughs> yes. Freaky deaky. But with an incest twist. <laughs> Should have spent more of that time learning piano though. Oh, oh God. <laughs> right. Exactly. So he kind of sells it to majority of the family. Like, hey, it's her. Then it it really hit me that I'm like, God, this is going to be trash. <laughs> it is Southern Gothic trash. And I loved it. I was soaking it up like the sponge that I am. It's written on the wind for perverts. Dude, when his, when his, actual, when his actual daughter shows up mm. at that funeral, that's when the movie kicked into high yeah. gear. I'm like, Oh my god! She's like 
that beautiful scene of her with, and she has a hat too, and she's like behind the statue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're like, oh shit, we're about to get in some like, <laughs> yes, Siwoko shit right here. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, she's his fake daughter, obviously, but then they kind of get romantic, and you start to think, okay, like, is he into his daughter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Then his daughter kind of reappears and she's like, I made a Thanksgiving dinner for you, daddy. <laughs> they for both you call and him your daddy. friend. They do. God. And, uh, so weird. What a like, I guess, fantasy nightmare. <laughs> well, I don't know. Freudian head fight. Freudian yeah. head fight, yeah. So he's like living in the house and he has the daughter that ran away that's back, like his real daughter. And then the stripper that looks like his daughter that he's fucking and they're all like living together in this super fucked up, uncomfortable environment that's awesome. And they sort of propose like, I don't know, they hint around to doing some like parent trap type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to pretend to be you and you can pretend to be me. <laughs> um, and the dad kind of comes back to life when his real daughter comes back and he's like, hey, I got the real thing now. I don't need um, I think mm-hmm. Jane anymore. I've got Heather. And um he makes Jane feel like he's going to get Heather killed, but he's actually got a hitman out on Jane. Mm-hmm. And there's this, oh God, the last like 15 minutes of this. Mm-hmm. He goes back to the house because he thinks that Heather's, he got her killed. So he attempts to, I mean, sorry, Jane, he attempts to rape his real daughter and then Jane comes wearing the policeman uniform <laughs> of the policeman that I'm assuming she killed and got away from that was supposed to kill her. She hits him on the head with a frying pan. And then when he comes to, it turns out that Heather was so disturbed by what her dad did. She ran away. She was in an asylum and she brought her, um, her doc- doctor from the asylum with her and they're also lovers. They're lo- right. <laughs> Everyone's fucking somebody they should not be That's fucking. Right. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so um he comes to and there is the best like 5 minutes of acting ever that takes place on the couch where this man is screaming in the weirdest way possible. It is so uncomfortable to watch and it's great. And then he starts hallucinating mm-hmm. about all the people he's killed. Yeah, he has killed a lot of people. He's killed a lot of people, um, including like the uncle that was suspecting mm-hmm. that, you know, the stripper wasn't uh, really I his I did daughter. love that um that shot of him having a heart attack with his on pills the on the piano yeah, yeah the pills mm-hmm. on and he's the playing piano like he's chopin yeah <laughs> he's, he's doing dying. the chopsticks or like his, yes yeah his wife drowning and he's just like paddling right away. <laughs> shit. leave her to heaven oh we went after it <laughs> leave her to heaven <laughs> right. exactly so all these people his demons start appearing and then um he gets committed and then jane and heather embrace and then Heather um, split that money. Yo. Takes the money, mm-hmm. and then the best part is when she gets on her private jet with oh her two point five million dollars. She's like, yeah. "Welcome back now!" Yeah, <laughs> she's got like this bright yellow suit and a bright yellow suitcase. I'll take it as long as you put it in a yellow suitcase. <laughs> oh my god! So yes, like, I, was I expecting this to be incest sleaze? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> am I glad? Yes. <laughs> it was so good. That's what fucks me up about it is like that punchline at the end and a lot of other punchlines throughout. Uh-huh. It's like, this should have been on the video nasties list because it's really deeply fucked up and like... What it actually is, though, is a PG-rated comedy. Right. <laughs> this movie's only rated PG. Really? And it is definitely no. a comedy. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I think even PG-13, because this is before that was, like, invented. I, st- I still think yeah. that's a little yeah. soft for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> definitely the rape scene. With right. Rape there's rape. Like, there's titties galore. Yeah. And, su- and the violence. I will say, out of all the... Well... There's some surgery scenes in the films we've watched today that gross me out a little Ooh. more than these, but this one, just mm-hmm. like where he's like, oh, she's going to have a pointy chin and just the rubber yeah. oh, and yeah. the plastics gross. and the pulling yeah. the skin. Yeah, the skin graft oh, the was skin graft. horrifying. Yeah. yeah, this definitely had the most like straightforward surgery scene. Like, got all the x rays up mm-hmm. on the sheet doing all the, the dingity who. Yeah, there was a in the beginning of the movie at the that initial funeral, this woman who I thought would have been in the film more, but she's like a like a she's like a psycho bitty, and she was like talking to them. And they were pushing the window up to make her go away. <laughs> I wanted her to come back oh, so yeah. bad, but that's another joke, right? Like I feel like yeah. the movie was constantly having fun. But there was a lot of dark material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so strange. It's squirmy, and it's using that tension to make you but laugh then, like, a lot when he's you know. The main bad guy's hanging out with his brother and they're just laughing and <laughs> very yeah. f- fun and festive. Right. Yeah, they're talking about the funeral. One guy was like, it was very depressing. The other guy was like, wow, I wasn't depressed at all. And then they're just laughing together I, in the elevator. I think they made the MPAA a giant pitcher of mint juleps. Right. And everyone was just like in a good mood. And that's right. how they got that easy rating. <laughs> Well, that movie ain't so bad now, yeah, fellas. It ain't so bad. It's having a good time now. It's a daddy daughter picture. <laughs> it's a daddy daughter picture. It's good old fashioned surgery horror, Southern mm-hmm. trash. But goddamn, when he's like in the house with his daughter and yeah. the chick that looks like his daughter, and he's fucking the chick that like like yes, right after he, he talks gave me to that his... soap opera shit. Like, yes, and I was like, soap man, opera, are they gonna have a threesome? Yeah. Like. Is he going to bang his daughter and the chick that looks like his daughter at the same time? What is happening here? There's a scene where they're all at dinner and he's like really focused on Heather. And then Jane is making these snide remarks. And and then he starts treating Jane like a daughter. Like, Jane, go to bed. You need to go to bed now. And then he like goes up later and fucks her. It's like, what is going on? There's this. Well, Jane is like proposing to Heather like, we can just switch and be whoever. Or no, or Heather's proposing that to Jane. Yeah. Let's mess with daddy. And she's like, well, it's all fun and games until bedtime. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, whew, it doesn't, like, the thing is, it doesn't shy away from, like, the fact that this dad is, like, sweating for his daughter. Yeah. It, it throws it in your face real hard. It's super trashy, but it is playing with, like, a psychological headspace, like, artier stuff, like, persona mm-hmm. or. Mm-hmm. three women or eyes without a face like it's got those ideas and it's it's messing with you psychologically but like it's also so sleazy <laughs> it's such a sleazy movie scalpel yeah i almost don't want to talk about the last movie but i think you have to talk about them together because like we there's have, so much overlap yeah. yeah 
Um, I picked The Skin I Live In from 2011. Um, it's set one year in the future in 2012, which I found <laughs> interesting. Um, it's an Almodovar movie, and I think we didn't pick it when we first did our like, no, big Almodovar didn't. episode because yeah. it was like, well, that one sounds a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> and all of his movies are like that for me. Like I read the plot description. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I don't want to oh, sit boy. through that. Yeah. But he has a way where like when you're actually watching the characters are so complex and like the interweaving like interpersonal dramas mm-hmm. between them is even more complex. Yeah. Yeah, and he does treat very difficult subjects with like even if it's not necessarily delicate, it is nuanced. And like, I don't know. I feel like he has some shock value but also he he is thinking deeply about what he's putting on the screen but in this one (laughs) it is him doing a horror movie and he like leans into the exploitation a little more than he normally does in his melodramas and like the tension i'm feeling right now is i fucking love this and it's like (laughs) one of my favorite movies i've seen in a long time Mm -hmm. and i also have no desire to talk about it whatsoever yeah because like it's indefensible and he's specifically playing with like forced feminization erotica tropes, yeah. which belong in an erotica context where it's like, it's okay to feel horny about something that's morally transgressive. Mm-hmm. But when you bring those like topics into a sincere drama, it's like you have a more of a moral responsibility not to do those things or to handle them more delicately. Yeah. And he just like leans into the trashiness here. Yeah. Uh, in a way that like, I still find a perverse thrill in it, but I cannot defend that position to anyone who finds it morally objectionable. Yeah. Because it is a fucked up movie, Mm. but also a gorgeous work of art. And uh, I felt the same way I usually do with this stuff where it's like I was stealing myself for all the rape and uh, violence Mm -hmm. I was going to watch. And they were definitely uncomfortable to sit through. And then by the end, I was fully in love with (laughs) what I had just uh, experienced. But it's a pretty similar story to Scalpel. I don't want to fully do a plot synopsis because I'd be here for about a half an hour trying to get every character's relationship to one another like pinned down. One, I think part of the fun of this, if you want to call it that, of this movie is the way the plot unfolds. Yeah. That's what rewatching it really brought out in me was like Mm -hmm. how clever it is with the little bit of information it gives you at a time. So you're just like constantly engaged with like, where is this going? And like, what is this dynamic? And who are these people? I'll give a one line spoiler log line tagline version of the plot, which is that Antonio Banderas is this brilliant plastic surgeon who is developing this new kind of skin that he's supposed to be experimenting on rodents with. Which he would need Iacook approval to do that. So <laughs> you would know something about I would that. Know about that. <laughs> uh, when he was giving his presentation, I was like, "Motherfucker, you do not have. You cannot be doing this shit on mice. What's going on? How would they feel about um, approving him to do that on a captive human that he just like? Well, I I cook wouldn't care about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's just animal research. Right, right. <laughs> uh, humans are unprotected. Yeah, the IRB. Big win for the the IRB mice. would be very. They would not uh, be Different happy bureau. about it. Right. That's right. Um. So. He basically kidnaps a a sworn enemy of his and transforms him into a vision of his dead wife. Yeah. um, And keeps them captive in a room. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah. Um, But what's different from like usual Almodovar stuff is it's not the lush 
melodrama sweeping feel. It's this very clinical mm-hmm. prison environment where it's so clean and modernist. So sterile. It's sterile, but it's like still gorgeous in its way. Yeah. And he's playing with like the digital video of the early 2010s. Oh. So like there's all these shots of just him staring at his prisoner wife yeah. yes. um, on, on these like blown up projections of digital yeah. video. Just like fascinating to look at. I'm such a sucker for, and it's like the Michael Haneke thing too. Yeah. Like characters watching people through video screens yeah. just... It, so I don't know. Voyeuristic. It, it elicits so much in me. It's nice. But this is him adapting a trashy forced feminization erotica novel into a awards-winning drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'll leave it there. But I guess what I'm struggling with here is like when we look back at movies like Scalpel from the 70s and yeah. 80s, like we look at like De Palma stuff with like these cross-dressed killers. Yeah. Uh, we look at like the bisexual killer in Basic Instinct. It's easier the more distance you get from that stuff to almost compartmentalize and be like, well, it was a different time. Things were more fucked up then. And it's like, this is a contemporary movie to how I'm watching it now. Yeah. And the times have, I mean, definitely public discussion of like transgender issues have evolved a lot in the past decade. I'm not going to pretend they haven't, but it's still contemporary enough that like he should know better than to make this. Right. But I'm so glad he got away with it because I love the final product. And it gives me the same transgressive thrill that I get from reading erotica that fucks with gender in the way that this one does. I did not know what this movie was going to be about. But (laughs) I remember um, the year that this came out, it was all over the Academy Awards. Yeah. And watching it, I'm like, holy shit. Like, just watching all these folks, like... You know, saying, "Oh God, what a what a one!" It's it's a fabulous movie, but it's like I didn't know that it was gonna take this like forced feminization turn. And there was a lot of like back and forth through different time frames yeah. Yeah. where I started to get confused. Where I'm like, "Wait, who's his daughter? Who's his wife? Like his mom, his brother, like all this stuff." And I'm like, I have to get this straight. And someone, some angel on the internet (laughs) made a roadmap uh, or timeline Mm -hmm. of like the whole film in like chronological order. And it, I'm like, okay, (laughs) I get it. That's what actually reminded me a lot of with scalpels was like that jumping Mm. between timelines. Yes. It's like, oh, this is very. Because in this Very movie, similar. we're seeing like when his daughter gets attacked and the attacker, but then the attack, which is where we realize, okay, like the person that did this is now his wife. Yeah. What'll really fuck you up about his career, though, is if you, all of his movies have that like kind of Russian nesting doll effect mm-hmm. where it's like a story within a story and there's like all these different relationships that get more complex yeah. as information's revealed. But if you zoom out, his movies all have pieces of each other in them. Oh my God. So like someone will tell some small statement of a story in one movie that like actually is the plot so of it's, another. Oh, it's like mm. a universe he's building. Yeah, but it's it's so hard to describe because it's all like a, this very complex Yeah, it's interweb. like all of these threads yeah. kind of woven together. Yeah. He's very easy to obsess over because he is obsessive about his own work, mm-hmm. which is awesome. The sound in this movie, like just, it, it's so silent, but like whenever he's like snipping things yeah. or- yeah applying this the skin like it's it's mm-hmm. this it has this very asmr kind of it, quality to it it's interesting too because like i agree that it is cold and clinical 
And I think that's why I didn't like it when I first saw it. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is like the least, like his movies are usually so warm and personal and like feel like they're real, vibrant, motherly. vibrant like and vibrant motherly. Party. And this one is so like a left turn from that. You get that at the very end. That's like the last stinger is this like motherly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the tragedy yeah. of what's sure. unfolded kind of hits you all at once. But I think watching it again, that's actually what I appreciated about it. Cause mm-hmm. it was like him and you still have these like shots of like, there's beautiful artwork in the background. Like it feels like it looks vibrant, but the soul of it is like cold. Yeah. Um, and it was just like a different vibe than I get from any other Omadovar that I've seen. Well, and I feel like a lot of his movies are about women and about mm-hmm. their relationships with the people in their lives. And he, you know, has a lot of movies about his love of women. And this film focused a lot on like violence perpetrated by men on women. And, you know, there's a character, El Tigre, who's like extremely sexually violent and just this kind of like, he's almost like a volcano. Like he has so much explosive, violent, like aggressive energy. And then his brother is the surgeon who is like extremely measured and clinical. And he has this, you know, like you said, his house is very... Um, clean and modern and sterile and that's the environment that he kind of tried to keep his wife and his daughter in while they were recuperating and it was like it was not rejuvenative at all it was like this very controlling environment and it reminded me a lot of eyes without a face for that reason so I feel like that kind of clinical coldness is a very intentional choice and like does kind of inform the movie do you have any thoughts on like giving older stuff a pass versus like being critical of this because i struggled that a little bit yeah he gets away with a lot more than than most directors do yeah for for someone who gets a lot of awards attention i mean i hate rape stuff his movies are full of it yeah and the rape scene in here is pretty hard to watch the transgender stuff, I'm not one to speak, really, but... I guess I don't know exactly what I think about what he's saying, exactly. Yeah. Because there is an element of it, like, I can't speak to what this movie means in terms of trans experience at all, mm-hmm. but there is an element of, like, the skin I live in. It's like, what you were... <sighs> I mean, the thing that I get caught up on is it's like he's going from his biological body to this forced feminization. And that is like he's rejecting that identity and kind of trying to find solace within himself and like rejecting the physical body that he now has. So that could be like a metaphor for like body dysphoria but it's also just like such a messy like kind of it it just doesn't quite work and you could also read it in totally the opposite direction yeah i think the two reads are like either the horror is that assigning someone a gender against their will right and against their true like inner identity is Mm -hmm. horrific yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and there are shots in the movie where this character is like looking at his new body and it's like horrified by yeah. it. Yeah. 
But the other read of it is that like what is done to his body is a horror right. to cis people and like us watching like like mm. in a very pointed way he gives him a vagina before he he like gives him hormone therapy so like the dilators that he has to use to keep his like right. vaginal passage open that is like something that trans women who have vaginoplasty have to do right. and that's used as like an instrument of violence yeah. here or like assigning him a new name and stuff like that it's like using the like hallmarks of a transgender transformation right. in a horrific As, context right. and unnatural. Yeah. It's body horror. Yeah. Which is super sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the original novel was getting off on that more mm. and he changed the ending mm-hmm. to more reinforce the reading that like gender cannot be assigned. Yeah. The novel kind of commits <laughs> to the bit in a way that the movie doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that that fully undoes all of the transgressive, quote unquote, transgenesis horror <laughs> that uh, is perpetrated for kind of cheap sleaze imagery. Right. And to me, part of the reason it's hard to talk about this is because a lot of like modern criticism is about movies like political morality in a way that like if a Mm -hmm. movie missteps or misrepresents it's like a really big deal Mm -hmm. and i like to watch older stuff like scalpel where it's like okay to do these transgressive things and it's like a safe space to live out and deal with and think about fucked up ideas Mm -hmm. but i can't pretend that a movie coming out in 2011 that's playing with the stuff wouldn't cause real world harm right to somebody Who has a different experience than I do. Yeah. I don't know how to think of all this. To be I don't honest. either. Like, yeah. Part of me is like, if it's, is it causing harm? But at the same time, like when things like this are explored in, in like modern movies, like, I don't know, maybe not so much for the skin I live in, but I don't know. Whenever you get like, we're talking about like the bisexuality of basic, basic instinct. instinct, but it's sort of like, it's kind of cool having a bisexual character, like using that, like, why is it that like they're not able to have like characters who are transgender who can be horrible and horror characters? I don't know, but like this is a little different than that though, I think. I mean, I th- I think the thing is that like I don't think I'm ever on board with because this thing is reprehensible. It, I wish that it didn't exist mm-hmm. because like if something is created that causes harm then you can talk about the harm that it causes and like Mm -hmm. oh the you know obviously there are things that are beautiful about this movie but like okay what what is uncomfortable and what is kind of painful and not well thought out by the director like i just don't think it's possible to censor from the creation standpoint so i think as long as it's not like oh this was like such a cool movie and it was like <laughs> super weird you know it, it like really as long inspired as you are, me right yeah <laughs> right. like i feel like you can like a modern film while understanding like how it's complicated basically it kind of encapsulates that too like saying this is a very real thing that people like think happen. That there are people who think like that this body horror is part of someone transitioning. Like, right. It's, it's not. But like just to know like this is how like a lot of people feel. Like just I mean, we know this, but it's kind of like 
I don't know. I always hope like 40 years down the road, you can look back at this movie and be like, yeah, I remember when this shit was. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how Cruising, when that came yeah. out, that's one of my favorite movies of yeah. all time. But like when it came out, it, it was under a lot of like heavy protests from the queer community because there's not a lot of representation of like gay men on screen. So like the only one is this like serial killer like, movie. Yeah. And it was just like the wrong kind of representation. The part where I struggle with this a lot in this topic in particular is like I've been a cross dresser like my entire life and I get like a transgressive thrill with watching this kind of material Mm -hmm. that is like superseded by people who are more of a target of violence, but people who are trans and it's like their issues with stuff like this matters more than my private enjoyment of it. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Private thrill. Yeah. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, like, it's art and yeah. it's supposed to like make you think about this shit. And I'm glad that this exists and we can have this like conversation. I kind of love your relationship with this movie. I, too. I deeply love this film. Like I think it, yeah. it really connected with me, but in a way that I was scared to watch it. Uh-huh. I was scared to think about it. I was scared to talk about it. Yeah. And I don't fully have the language to talk about my relationship with gender and I never have. Yeah. Um, to the point where like I am yeah. fascinated by how other people describe their gender identity and I'm always interested in reading about that. Um, yeah. And I follow a lot of people who talk about this stuff all the time. So I'm like hyper aware of like what the wrong kind of representation looks like. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I haven't been following the wrong kind of representation my entire life. And I struggle more with the idea that like movies coming out now have like more of a responsibility because that conversation is so out in the open. Yeah. We're like something, I don't know, not that scalpel is about gender, but like something that like scalpel can get away with a lot more. Yeah. Right. And, and this movie too is not playing it safe. No. And then you like probably pissed quite a few people off yeah. when it came yeah. But I don't know, like, that's why we do this podcast. Yeah. We want to talk about movies that, like, might upset you, but I was upset. spark a long, long <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is, like, because movies are, like, personal pieces of art and community pieces mm-hmm. of art. So it's, like, you're not saying, like, because this movie... Like, because I have this relationship with this movie, everybody else's experiences are invalidated and like, right. you know, like, why would you be upset? You know, you have your personal awareness of the film and then you have an awareness of what it means on a community level or what it could mean on a community level. And like, you're holding both of those together simultaneously and like seeing the conflict. I mean, hopefully we move in a direction where art becomes like more compassionate and understanding but in like in the meantime i think that being a responsible consumer is like okay this was my experience but i also like i can understand the flaws in this as well you know there's something that maybe does bother me a a little bit about it being like an awards darling like that's the thing because it's like, I feel like you can also just see it as this beautiful, because then it is, to me, like minimizing what the experience of Vera means in the movie. And it is more of like, like almost like Brokeback Mountain or like 
um, that uh, movie about the Dane. Oh, the a Danish, Danish girl. girl. Right. Yeah. Then it's just like this tragic trans horror. You know, that like I feel like that actually changes it for me a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, I don't have a lot of room in my head or heart for like award season dramas yeah. <laughs> in general. And they all feel a little like politically important in capital letters. Mm-hmm. And this is not a politically important film. It's like a personally cathartic one. Yeah. Um, and I think for Almodovar, that's probably true as well. Like, yeah. I think he's going through something <laughs> while making this, um, which I think usually he is with his stuff. Like I can feel like a personal emotional undertow to like everything he makes oh man i have to say there are two other things i want to say one in i think almost all of his films he has just a fantastic like music moment like a a fantastic live performance Mm -hmm. that's so moving and there's this performance at um this party that is just like this woman's voice is incredible and she has these like beautiful gap teeth I just appreciate gap-teethed women because I have gap teeth. If y'all can imagine, just a gap-toothed woman. Um, but put that on a business card. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes. Gap-toothed woman. Um, and then th- this is just kind of an aside, but I was so I watched this movie a couple of years ago, and I was watching it, and I was just reading through the Wikipedia article to like get a map of what happens, and there's a scene where his daughter is assaulted in the woods. At least that's how I interpreted what happened. And the Wikipedia entry is like, she's take, she takes her clothes off and then he's lying on top of her. And then she starts having this panic attack basically. And then he tries to shush her. And I was like, I thought I remembered him raping her in the was I t- and I thought I totally misremembered it. And then that scene, scene came and that was obviously to me what happened. Yeah, he's taking advantage of her. She's yeah. not mentally there. Yeah, right. Yeah, without question. I just thought that was like a really, I mean, I guess even that was ambiguous, at least to the person that wrote the Wikipedia article. And to the rapist, because he asked him, like, did you rape my daughter? Right, and he and was like, like, I don't think I don't so. Think so. I, was, I, was I was super high. Yeah. yeah. And there's ambiguity in the other rape scene, too, because he thinks that, she is someone else. Like he thinks that oh, Vera is the wife. That it's Vera. Vera. Yeah, and yeah. she's obviously saying no to, but is like also shocked. Like doesn't know what to do. I don't know. It was. I don't like rape scenes in movies, but I. These ones were like, they were complicated. I don't know. Mm-hmm. His movies are always complex. It's really hard to like summarize them i think we even struggled with that when we did four in a row and it was like (laughs) there's so much to talk about here yeah um i do i guess want to like wrap up by just asking if this worked for y'all as a surgical horror because there's definitely (laughs) like a body horror of like your body being transformed against your will into something it shouldn't be for sure i mean for me it definitely fell into the like surgery as a way of trying to keep life or hold on to something and it is like an act like he lost his wife well her face was destroyed in a car crash it was burned and then she um she ends up committing suicide so his and he has this speech in the beginning that like you know the face is so important to identity and like burn victims need to have another face and like he's 
almost he's trying to like give that back to his wife and then he's also kind of trying to keep his wife and also like enact vengeance on this man for like the various women he's lost because of that like initial accident so that was kind of like the surgery horror um sphere that it fell into for me it's kind of interesting in this one and scalpel like the frankenstein's monster is like so gorgeous and pretty (laughs) and then you have the arm and uh body parts which is like muscular and scarred up and like gnarled that Mm -hmm. that was the one i most identified with (laughs) i was like man if i just got a serial killer's arm and i started punching children and murdering people <laughs> throwing like, a football like that's where my fear i think you would from. channel it into the biggest thrash metal riffs yes. ever heard by man no <laughs> 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 yeah, you're right you're right that'd be awesome actually yeah i mean i did identify with like the anger management stuff in that movie like yeah not in a like i see that in myself way but like that's my biggest fear is i just become a, yeah. like, a mean man <laughs> <laughs> I um, I've never had a surgery, at all. Who who's had a surgery? I, I've here? had a biopsy on a lymph node near my pelvic area. Yeah. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Were you under? Like you were under? Yeah. Wow. And like the recovery is what I remember more than the like lead up to the surgery. Okay. In any way. Did any of this speak to how you felt? Yeah, that's sort of like just being trapped and like someone else is taking care of you for a week. Yeah. I was living in this like punk squad at the time. I was living in Jackson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not and sterile. I did not want to be there to recover from a surgery. So I went home for a few days and it's probably the longest I've ever gone back to like my mom's house since I moved out uh, when I was like 18. Um, and it was just weird being there for a week and like I wasn't really in charge of my meals and I was like yeah. kind of pilled out and hazy and just kind of like went along wow. with like what everyone else was doing, yeah, and, watching and me, TV. And me and my team, we did a really good job on you. <laughs> and, and, you know, those supplements are really yeah. going to kick in. James uh, practiced under that alcoholic doctor in uh, Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I see the horror in, like, someone taking care of you so much. Yeah. That, like, you just have no control over your daily life. That's something that's reflected here. That's the scary because even the man who couldn't die like he's vulnerable because his doctor like is aging out of being able to keep him going like, I had a stroke, my hand don't work. on somebody yeah. yeah yeah like you know in all of these there was some bizarre dependency but funnily enough i wasn't scared of the cutting but i'm scared of that in general like i don't like to watch surgical footage mm-hmm. especially real life surgical footage so fucked up. I remember going to like my parents' house and they're just like, like casually watching like those CSI type shows and people are oh, like yeah. scalpeling into like corpses all the time. Like y'all yeah. are fucking sick. <laughs> even I think watching, me as a depraved freak. Even watching, like, pimple poppers. Ugh, disgusting. Get uh, out of here. Lee. Well, those have like gone insane. Like I don't mind the blackhead pops, mm-hmm. but it's not like that TV show. It's like people who are coming in with like a basketball size like thing on their back and she just slices it open yeah and just shit flies out and i'm like what is happening like surgery horror um i don't know this kind of made me i don't i've never had one and i don't think i ever want to really have elective surgery like i think this talked me out of you know a facelift when i'm older but who knows what plastic surgery will be like mm. in, you know, 20 <laughs> years from now. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm either going to be like, I'm just going to age naturally or I'm just going to get the full enchilada and go nuts. So, yeah, I don't know. I just thought a lot about that. 
it just it all seems gross <laughs> you know True. even even like yeah. you know real medical procedures and stuff like that like i'm like they're just cutting in and they're just pulling shit out of yeah. you and sewing you back up and sending you on your way that's gross uh, i was Oof. i had my wisdom teeth taken out and that, that was the only surgery i've had where i was like okay put under under and then other surgeries i've had it was just like laughing gas or okay you know and w- so the surgeries where i've been awake i think the th- really the scary thing to me is i know that it's disgusting like it i'm bleeding all over the place Ugh. and i don't feel anything oh God. i just feel like the pressure of somebody you know with a scalpel doing something so i'm totally disconnected from like the gore that is being enacted upon my body i love body horror as a topic Mm -hmm. like i could talk about that forever yeah like we could do a new body horror every week and i'd be i'd I'd never (laughs) get over it um because it is it is a vulnerable feeling and it does freak me out in a way that like few genres do i'm glad we ended on something that actually is like disturbing yeah well next week we are moving on from super scary horror stuff but we are going to like watch one more thriller before we like really lighten up over here we're gonna watch gaslight oh and i've never seen it but uh boomer's a huge fan of angel lansbury mm-hmm. so we wanted to watch oh, something yeah. that she started oh, rest in peace yeah jesus christ i'm excited it seems like a classic it's a daily vocabulary word at this point so right. i probably should see where yeah. it came from it was good yeah they use it a lot in uh, real housewives mm. don't gaslight me you're gaslighting me yeah here's my last question if I watch that movie before Halloween, should I count it as a horror film? Am I like, how many movies I watched this month? Yes. Okay. It is a, horror a psychological film. horror Absolutely. film? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Good to know. Ho, 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 ho.